0: Good morning, Anastasia. How are we this morning? morning. And hello to everyone joining us online. Let's stand, let's sing a classic, At the Cross.
1: and welcome to Anastasia Church. We're so glad that you are joining us today. Hopefully you've enjoyed that extra hour that we got this morning, and um, thankfully we get to use it to praise the Lord this morning. My name is Julia Murray. I'm the young adult minister here. And if this is your first time, I just want to say welcome on behalf of all of us here at Anastasia. We're so glad that you are joining us today for worship. There's a gift just for you at the welcome desk in the atrium. Please stop by and grab that. You may also text the number 904-441-6900 and pull up our digital Connect card. Text the word Connect and let us know you're visiting or if you have a prayer request, that's a great way to send those to our pastors. They pray over those each and every week. A few announcements that we have. Tomorrow is our senior adult luncheon for those of y'all 55 and better. And it will be a white elephant exchange You do not need to bring a white elephant gift. Please come. It will be a great time, and hopefully everyone will leave with a gift they actually want, Um, but you never know with those. Also, it is our honor to um, recognize the veterans who have served our country so faithfully. Veterans Day is this Friday, November 11th, and we will be hosting the Veterans Luncheon that or the Veterans Service that day. So at 11, please come in. There'll be um, lots of things out in the atrium of veterans who have served, who are here in our community, and memorabilia. You do not want to miss it. Last but not least, um, Operation Christmas Child is coming to an end. If you have not yet turned in your shoe boxes, I want to encourage you to do that this week. And with that, please turn your attention to the screen.
2: This kids behind me a so excited because they've just received their boxing.
3: Have you ever thought what comes after the box? At Samaritan's Purse we've got an incredible program after Operation Christmas Child, it's called The Greatest Journey. The purpose of Samaritan's Purse is evangelism. We just don't want to just hand out a box. Children that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we want them to grow in their faith. We want to disciple them and raise up an army of young kids who can take their faith and share it with another child so that that person will put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This is what it's all about, evangelism taking the gospel to another generation.
2: You shall love the Lord your God. You know
4: that you're passing on what you've learned to another person, not just keeping the knowledge for yourself. You feel love. You feel like, you know what, I'm at home. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do right now.
3: We always work through the local church, and when it's all said and done and the training's finished, these kids are gonna be part of the church, going out into their communities, sharing their faith in Jesus Christ. The greatest journey is a great opportunity to impact the life of a child, teaching children how to share their faith with their friends and family around the world, raising up an army of evangelists who can take the gospel to the next generation.
5: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to see you all here this morning and on time, too. That's really good. <laughs> well, as you uh, came in the sanctuary this morning, you may or may not have noticed uh, some ace five-gallon paint buckets uh, out there next to the black tables that are standing high and filled with rocks. And so I'm here to share with you what those mean and what we need you to do as far as a participant in continuing to fulfill our journey of our For Generations to Come faith campaign here at our island campus. So what we're doing is this Sunday and the next two Sundays, we're celebrating what we're calling Rock November. And we're asking every family as you depart today to stop by and make sure that you pick up one rock at least, and you can take multiples if you would like. And what we're asking you to do for the next couple of weeks is to take the rock home and to pray over it and to ask God to lay on your heart what person, or friend or family member that you might want to put their name on this rock with a with a, uh, a sharpie or paint their name on this rock that you hope and pray may be impacted by the building of these new buildings and or you may have a favorite scripture that you would like to put on one of these rocks so we're going to ask that you do that and bring them back by November the 20th and what we're going to do is when we collect them we're going to put them over here when we pour the foundation of the family ministry center we're going to put all these rocks in there to demonstrate that we're building these buildings based on two things prayer and the word of god Amen. very simple so we ask you that you do that and uh, for those of you that are attending online and not here this morning you can stop by the church uh, this week and pick up your rock or rocks and take those home and so as we begin to shared the moment of generosity. We want to thank you as a church for being so faithful to your Generations to Come faith campaign, as well as the tithes and offerings. And I think they're going to show a video of one of the ways that you can give, and that is through our digital platform. And you can text that number, 904-441-6900, with the word give, and it will give you an option to scroll down and to either... Make a contribution, a one-time or recurring contribution to for Generations to Come faith campaign, and or your weekly tithes and offerings. You can do that. So we wanted to show you just how simple it was here this morning on the screen. So as we enter this time during our service, would you join me in prayer? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with hearts of thanksgiving and praise and We just thank you for the honor and the privilege to gather to corporately worship you, Lord, and to open your word and to draw near to you and to fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And we just ask your Holy Spirit's presence this morning. We pray your anointing on our pastor, Sam, as he brings the word, Father, we thank you and we love you. And it's your precious name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.
4: Thank you for Lewis and his hard work and all the work of the the building steering committee as we work towards finishing our uh, faith campaign here in Anastasia. We're excited. Well, I wanted to just come here for a minute and give you an invitation as we continue in worship this morning. I want to read a scripture. And it says this, Hebrews 10, 22. It says, so let us draw near to God with a true heart full of faith. And it says this, our hearts must be made clean from guilty feelings and our bodies must be washed with pure water. Essentially, Hebrews tells us that spiritually you and I need to be made before the presence of a holy God. That you and I must be made clean. We must be made righteous. But the challenge for you and me is that we deal with sin and brokenness in our life. And we deal with the brokenness which stains the canvas of our life. The brokenness and the sin and the hurt that we carry, it stains the canvas of our lives. And no matter how hard you and I try in our own power, we cannot be clean of it in and of ourselves, that we need God's intervention to make us clean, to make us pure, to make us holy before his sight. And so this morning, as we continue in worship, I want to invite you, I don't know what burdens, what hurts, what uh, hangups you are, you're struggling with and the sin that you're coming in here this morning with, but I want to give you an invitation to surrender that before our God, because he is loving, he is forgiving, and he has made a way for you and I to know forgiveness. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for your faithfulness and goodness to us, Lord. We thank you for your atoning sacrifice, Lord, that even in the midst of our brokenness, you love us, that you care for us, and you made a way for us to enter into a relationship with you, that our lives don't have to be stained by our past, by our hurt, by our shame, but they can be marked by your redeeming love and grace that comes from your sacrifice. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, as Julia mentioned earlier, Friday is Veterans Day, and we express our gratitude today for all those in our congregation who have served in our nation's military. Your service enables us to enjoy many freedoms, especially the freedom to gather and worship this morning. Ephesians 2.20 reminds us that those who have gone before us built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, we reflect on the sacrifices our veterans have made as we look at Jesus' teachings and example in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down one's life for one's friends. We thank those who have worked for peace as we read Jesus' words in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. If you are a veteran, if you've served in any branch of our armed forces, I'd like for you to stand right now and be recognized And let's pray. Dear Lord, today we honor our veterans, worthy men and women who gave their best when they were called upon to serve and protect their country. We pray that you will bless them for their unselfish service in the continual struggle to preserve our freedoms, our safety, and our country's heritage, for all of us. We are challenged to be worthy of what was built by others and defined by our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Jesus Hate It All.
6: I hear the Savior say, Thy strength.
0: I want to acknowledge John Flint for uh, leading the choir today. Thank you very much, John. We appreciate that. Let's stand. We're going to sing again at Calvary. (laughs)
4: It's good to see you at worship this morning. We're so grateful that you chose to be here and uh, grateful that we get to gather together. Um, I appreciate my wife helping me today with a little bit of illustration. She may not talk to me after the service, but no, no, she will. I appreciate her being willing to help with illustration this morning. So don't mind her this morning. Well, anybody eat any candy this week? I mean, uh, anybody get it trick-or-treating, right? So last week, I, I told uh, families about the parent tax or the grandparent tax, okay? And the grandparent or parent tax is this, that uh, all the candy which the kids collect, us as parents and grandparents are, are, are able to take at least 10% of it, right? I think that's just fair. And if if you didn't have kids out that were trick-or-treating or or grandkids and you were just handing out candy, I I think since you bought the candy, you're able to eat up to 50% of that candy. I think that's fair. And if you want to, you can barter with other kids, right? If they have something better that you like, you can change out with them. So if you didn't know that, you know it now for next year, okay? Uh, So you're ready to go. But hey, uh, we're glad that you're here. We're continuing in our series called 517 And really as we talk about 517, that specific passage of scripture talks about that what we have seen God do before, we believe that he can do it again, right? And we see that God's faithfulness throughout the scriptures as we've been storing through the Bible and we've been seeing the character of who God is in and throughout the scriptures is the same God that we serve today. And We've been storying through and we've spent a good bit of time in the Old Testament, but in the last couple of weeks, we've been moving over to the New Testament. And uh, We talked over just a few weeks ago about Christ's incarnation, and then Walter talked about uh, not only Christ's coming and uh, dwelling in the flesh, but that we have been given the ministry of Christ in our lives. But this morning, I want to talk about really maybe the pinnacle of our faith, and that is Christ's atonement. His atoning sacrifice. And so really at the center point of history, center point of time, and I would say even the universe, is Christ's atoning sacrifice on the cross. This is and will stand as the day that defines the days before with anticipation and the days after are defined with remembrance of the past and the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross. As we talked before, it seemed unimaginable that the God of the universe would physically put on flesh and walk among us in the incarnation. But it seems inconceivable that that Christ would then go to the cross on our behalf to become our atonement. So we talk about atonement. Atonement is is, is a very big word with very big meaning as we look in scripturally. But atonement means the reconciliation between man and God through Jesus Christ. It was the making of man righteous in the presence of God. But I think for us to fully understand that there are some things that we really need to understand. And we have to almost take a step back and look at the full picture. And so to have a better visualization and understanding and paradigm of what it means for us to be reconciled to God, for Christ to be our atonement, we need to understand two major things, two major realities. And one on the other side is the guilt of our sin. Our brokenness, our need for a savior. And so we need to understand that reality and the depth of that. But then on the other side of it, we need to understand God's righteousness and who he is. And that he is a holy, mighty, merciful, all-knowing, all-powerful God. And so when we look at those two things, we look at our brokenness, our need for a savior, and we look at God's righteousness, there needs to be a bridge in between for us. And this is the idea of atonement. And so I I wanted to find that a little bit better this morning. And we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2 this morning, uh, starting in verse 1. So I I invite you, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, turn to 1 John chapter 2. And if you are able to this morning, I'm going to invite you to please stand in the honoring of the reading of God's word. And it says this in chapter 2 verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated this morning. As we talk about atonement, as we talk about reconciliation, I think 1 John chapter 2 lays out some pretty uh, important points that we need to look at. And so this morning, I want to focus on 1 John 2, and really specifically the first two verses. Um, I, I want us to break down a little bit because I think it gives us a better understanding of atonement and Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And so, if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing that you need to write down is our sinfulness is the barrier between life and relationship with God. Our sinfulness is the barrier between life and relationship with God. Going back to to 1 John 2, the first thing that he writes there is, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. See, John understood uh, what sin does to our life, right? Sin, uh, we were not created to, to walk and to live in sin, but in fact that when we do sin, it puts up a barrier between us and God. And so when we walk in a way that God has not intended us to, when God intended us to walk in the fullness of life in him, to walk according to his plans, to his commandments, to his way of life. Uh, And when we don't do those things, it puts a barrier in our life. Not only would I say that it puts and creates a barrier in our relationship with God, I would also say that it impacts us from experiencing the fullness of life in Christ. You know, going to the scriptures, one of the things Jesus uh, declared, the, the reason why he came is that we might know abundant life. And I believe that when we allow sin into our life and we habitually walk in that sin, we are missing out on the abundant life that God has for us. And when I think about abundant life, I don't just think abundant life starts when we enter into eternity. I think abundant life starts here and now as we walk in relationship with God. And so as we look at that, this this is what God's desire is for us. And we understand that in our own brokenness that we create a barrier. Right. Genesis chapter 3, if we've been, as we've been storing through the Bible, we looked at that passage and, and really look at the intended relationship that God created man and him to have, right? If you, just paraphrasing Genesis 3, it's that God and Adam and Eve had this special relationship and bond. And in Genesis 3, it talked about early in the morning that God would walk with Adam and Eve and they had this special relationship. But in Genesis 3, we also see that Adam and Eve chose to do not what God instructed them, but the opposite of it. And when they did that, it created a barrier. So when God came to walk with Adam and Eve early in the morning, what did they do? They hid. They were shameful. It it created a barrier in their relationship with God. And so just in the same way, when you and I live the way that God intended us not to live, it... Creates a barrier in our life with God. And, and why, we ask the question why does sin create separation between us and God? Why does it create separation? You know, sin is thought to be man's attempt to substitute God's authority in ways in our life, right? When we say that we are going to walk in the ways in which we want to walk, in the ways of the world, we are choosing our own way over God's way and His authority. Sin is the substitution of God's ways for man's ways. And the problem when we try to substitute God's ways and his commandments, what happens is it often leads to our undoing, right? Uh, you know, our creator who made us, who designed us, who gave us purpose and gave us love and gave us a life, Uh, He knows best on what is fulfilling and what is meaningful in our life and the best way that we can live our life to bring honor and glory to him. And when we don't walk in those ways, it creates separation, right? You and I have been there, right? When we choose to do something that we want to do and not necessarily what God wants to do, it can create that barrier in our life between living in relationship with God, but also experiencing the fullness of life that God has for us. You know, um, as I'm thinking about this, is, as you came into church this morning, you may have noticed that there's a giant barrier on the backside of our campus, right? And it runs from south to north, right? It's a huge barrier, but it's kind of exciting, right? That's the spot, that's the space that is being cleared and, and is getting prepared for us as we look to build our new children's and youth and family center. Uh, we're so excited for it, and uh, that barrier kind of protects that space, uh, for the workers that are going to be there and also protects us from going in there. But can I tell you, I can't wait till the day when that barrier comes down. I mean, anybody with me, right? It's going to be exciting when we get to the day where we get to take those barriers down because that, what that, It's going to mean is that we finish the work that God has called us to finish right here and right now in this season of Life for Anastasia. And when those barriers come down, that means that that there are better days that lay ahead of us for here at Anastasia, that we have seen God's faithfulness over the years, and and we've seen all those things that we've been praying for and longing for and looking forward to come to fruition through God's faithfulness. It's going to be an incredible day when those barriers come down. But can I tell you, can, can you just imagine with me for a moment, what if that day comes? What if that day in the near future comes and we finish the buildings and, boy, it's ready to move in. It's ready for us to all go in there and gather together and give God the glory and worship and, and to have the days ahead of us where we can have children and family and we can outreach in the community. What if that day comes, but instead of taking the barriers down, we just leave them up? Now, that doesn't make any sense, right? Right all that we've sacrificed, all that we've worked for, all that that God has done to bring us to this point, and we left the barriers up and we couldn't use that space, well, that wouldn't make any sense at all. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the lives that we live sometimes. And when we don't honor God, when we don't glorify him, and we're not walking in his ways, we leave a barrier up between us and our relationship with God and experiencing the fullness of life that he has called us to live. What's even more unheartening about that is God is not the one putting up the barrier. We are the ones responsible for putting up the barrier. But what we have put up, only God can take down. Only through his power, only through his mercy. That's so this morning... I ask you, is there an area of your life that you haven't submitted, if you haven't asked for forgiveness, or if there's something, a burden that you're carrying and it's, and it's putting a, a barrier in between you and your relationship with God, have you surrendered it unto him? Because even in the midst of our brokenness, even in the midst of our hurt, God gives us an invitation to lay those burdens down at his feet. And so this morning, I, I invite you as we continue this morning to look at taking down the barrier between you and your relationship with God. What is it? What is it? But it's not worth living your life in that way, but to take it down. Second thing that you can write down this morning is God's holiness requires righteousness. God's holiness requires righteousness. And going back to our passage in 1 John 2, it says that we have an advocate with the Father. Now, maybe one of the hardest parts of our faith and understanding Is why God's holiness requires righteousness. It's hard for our minds, it's hard for us to comprehend this, but yet it is an important point in understanding the full atonement of God. And I'll say this there are parts of God's holiness, there's parts of God's righteousness and who he is and his sovereignty and his lordship that we're just not gonna get in our earthly minds, right? And that's okay, we can step out in faith and we can trust him. But here's what I want you to understand in God's holiness and his righteousness, He requires that we also have holiness as we come to Him. And this is why we see in Scripture that we need an advocate. Remember, I I told you two things that you need to understand to understanding the atonement. First is our need for a Savior, right? We understand our need and our brokenness, which separates and creates a barrier from our relationship with God. And then on the other side, we have God's holiness. And so we need someone to bridge that gap. And so I want to take just a moment. Let's talk about God's holiness, Theologically, what are some reasons that make God holy and different and set apart from us? Why do we need an advocate to go to the Father? Here's a couple of things I want you to understand. Uh, and The first thing is when we talk about God's holiness, God is uniquely superior to humanity. Uh, Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and thoughts higher than yours. So God's declaring that his thoughts, that his ways of life are higher and above reproach. They're more holy, they're more righteous than your and my ways and thoughts. That is the God that we serve. A part of God's holiness is understanding that he is uniquely superior to us in all ways. He is the creator. He is the maker of all things. And because of that, his thoughts and his actions and his holiness are not like ours. And that he is always going to be greater and higher above than us. And because of that, we need an advocate to go to him. And that was his son, Jesus. Not only is God uniquely superior to humanity, here's, here's one aspect of God that I love, that he is perfect and unchanging. He is perfect and unchanging. God, in all of his ways, is just and righteous. He is perfect, but also he is unchanging. I love that the God that we serve is not going to be different tomorrow. From the God that he was yesterday. He stays constant. He stays faithful. He stays righteous. He stays superior. James, in the book of James, it says this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is not going to change his ways. He is not going to change how he loves us. How he cares for us. How he... he uh, speaks to us and wants to be in relationship with us, God's not going to change. He is unchanging through the ages. And because he is unchanging, and he is perfect in all his ways. He is a holy, holy, holy God, worthy of our worship. Uh, third thing about God and one of the characteristics that makes him holy and set apart is he is fair and merciful as judge and king over us. Uh, James 4.11 says, there is only one lawgiver and judge. He was able to save and destroy, but who are we to judge your neighbor? Our God is perfect in his authority and his judgment and his wisdom and his discernment. He is perfectly the king and ruler and judge over us. And because he is perfect, he is fair in all his ways. He is righteous in all his ways and his judgments. You know, as as we think about the gospel and we think about, you know, God's requiring of righteousness, sometimes we look at Christ's atoning sacrifice and we think, well, did God lower his standard so that you and I could enter into a relationship with him? And, And it's the opposite. God has not lowered his standard of requirement of righteousness. And the gospel is not an announcement that God has replaced his judges or lowered his standard of his holiness, but rather that Jesus took on the full wrath of God for our sinfulness so that we might be made his righteousness. In other words, Jesus took our place on the cross. He bore the sins that were not his own. He bore the shame that was not his own, but he bore it for us. And because of that, we can exchange our brokenness for his sin Righteousness. God is perfect in all his ways, and he is holy. I, I get that that, for some people, and for myself included, is just so hard to comprehend so hard to understand. But maybe a, a better way to help illustrate that is, has anybody gone to a different country? Has anybody visited a different country before? Gone out of the country? Okay, quite a few of us. So the first thing after you go out of the country, after hopefully you get your uh, passport stamped and they let you in, right, is... Uh, you have to look to see what the local currency is in that country, right? It's, it's very important. you got to know what the currency is. Uh, you know, if you go in there and you try to use the currency of your country and they don't use that, then you're not going to be able to buy anything. But the currency is, is the local form of money uh, that the land uses. It's been agreed on. It's been voted on by the people, and that's what they use uh, as their currency, I've been to a few other countries. In Mexico, uh, the, it's the peso, right? In Peru, it's the soul. When I was in Haiti, it was the gourd. In, in Costa Rica, it was the cologne. Uh, and these were the currencies declared both by the people and the nation as what they accept, right? I can't just go in there with my American dollars and try to buy things. I have to have the local currency. Well, in God's economy, the only currency that he accepts is righteousness. The only way that you and I will ever enter into a relationship or the kingdom of God is if we have righteousness. But there lies the challenge for you and I. And as the scripture says, is not one is righteous. Not as one is without sin. Not one is without having made mistakes. That you and I, we don't have righteousness in and of ourselves. And so because of that, we need God's help. And, and throughout scriptures, we see this. The only way that the righteousness could be given in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant or God's agreement with his people was with uh, a yearly sacrifice known as the Day of Atonement, in which the priest would have to go into the Holy of Holies after uh, humbling himself and he would have to make a sacrifice each year to make their relationship with God uh, right and the forgiveness of their debts. And the sacrifice was to show the heaviness of their sin and their immense need for God. But it was also to understand that atonement and forgiveness are not free, that they cost something. For this reason, sacrifice had to be made each and every year, and they had to sacrifice that which was most valuable to them, their livelihood, their livestock. And, And so it required a blood sacrifice Because God wanted the people to know the severity of their brokenness and their need for a Savior. And this is why the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there cannot be any remission of sin. We needed a Savior. We needed atonement. And as the scriptures say, as the appointed time came, God put together or had in his plan from the beginning a better covenant. A better way of worship. And as we talked about Christ's incarnation, that during that time Jesus uh, was go- sent to fulfill the commandments of the Father, that he would come and live on this earth and put on flesh, but then ultimately that he would be our perfect atonement and he would give us his righteousness, giving his life ransom for our sin so that you and I, as the scripture says, could exchange our brokenness for Christ's righteousness. You know, it's interesting, if you, when you've gone to a different country and uh, you go to find out what their, their local currency is, what has to happen is you have to exchange your currency for the local currency, right? And so you take your money and you, you shell it over and then they give you back the local currency. Well, there's what's called an exchange rate, right and that basically means the value of your dollar for the value of the dollar you're exchanging and sometimes the exchange rate can work in your favor give you an example right if you go to mexico right now the dollar is worth more than the peso and so when you exchange it you actually profit you get more for your dollar right and so when we talk about that exchange rate it can work in your favor we talk about what christ has given us the opportunity to exchange. Can I tell you that it works in our favor? We can exchange our brokenness for Christ's righteousness. In other words, that we could take what is worth nothing and exchange it for that which is worth everything. That Christ went to the cross so that we could exchange our lives, our brokenness, our sin for his righteousness. Not that we deserved it, not that we could earn it, not that we could do anything to get it, but that he freely has given it to us. If we would put our faith and we would put our trust in him. I don't know this morning what you need to exchange, but Christ freely gives you that invitation to receive his righteousness for our brokenness. He loves you enough not to leave you in the state that you're in, but to give you and clothe you with his righteousness. Third thing you can write down this morning is only through Jesus' atoning sacrifice can we know forgiveness. Scripture says, Jesus Christ, the righteous, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not just for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. In other words, John tells us that Jesus became our propitiation. Meaning, he got what we deserved. While he was on the cross, he exchanged his life for ours and he bore our sins. And because of him substituting himself for us, because we deserve to be on the cross, what was fair is for us to take on those sins and the burden of them. But he took them on so that we might become holy and blameless. So we understand our need for a savior and in our lives, that our lives are uh, stained, by the cam- or stained by the brokenness in our lives and the canvas of our lives are stained. And we need God in every aspect of our life to redeem, to restore, to heal us, to make us new. And we understand that need and we understand on the other side of it, God's holiness. And that the only way that we can go into the presence of God is through righteousness. And we understand that we don't have, we needed an advocate. And the only way that those two things can be clothed or closed, the gap can be closed is through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. He made a way when there was no way. He made a bridge for us to go to our Heavenly Father and to walk in relationship with Him. Not that we deserved it, not that we earned it, but that He has freely given it to us. You know, something really powerful happens in our life when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You know, our lives, as we talked about in the beginning of the service, are no longer defined by that stain on the canvas of our life. Our past, our past mistakes, our past failures, or maybe it's the hurt, maybe it's the shame that we carry. When God looks upon us, he doesn't see those anymore. But rather, when we are in Christ, what God sees is not us. It's not our brokenness. But what God sees in us because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his perfect atonement, is that when he looks on us and those who have received him as Lord and Savior, he doesn't see our brokenness, but he sees Christ's righteousness. We choose to put faith in him, a beautiful exchange happens. I am no longer marked, I am no longer identified by my past, but I am identified by the righteousness and the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. So this morning, as we have a time of invitation, I want to invite you. I don't know what you're carrying in your life this morning, but can I tell you, friend, you don't have to carry it anymore. Because Jesus has made a way for you and for me to walk in relationship with him all the days of our life and through eternity. And it's only by his sacrifice. And so as we have a time of invitation, I don't know where God is leading you. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I pray that this morning would be a morning of surrender. Maybe it's surrendering unto him to walk into relationship, and you have been trying your whole life to get everything together so that you can come to Jesus. Can I tell you, friend, the good news is that we don't have to have it all together. Thank goodness. Thank goodness that Jesus accepts us just how we are and that we can just accept him as our savior and walk with him and he will take care of making us righteous through his sacrifice. Maybe this morning is an opportunity for you to join this church family. Maybe it's to take a next step to be baptized. Wherever God's calling you this morning, I pray that you would see what he has given and what he has sacrificed for us and in response that you would offer your everything for his kingdom and for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much, and we want to give you all glory and honor this morning. We thank you for your atoning sacrifice. We thank you that uh, through you we can have a reconciled relationship with God the Father. And it was only through your sacrifice. So, Father, as we have an opportunity to respond this morning, God, I pray that we would do so with humble hearts. Lord, knowing that you have made a way for uh, each and every one of us to know you as Lord and Savior. And, God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, let's worship. You come as the Lord leads this morning.
0: Church, as we depart, receive your blessing from God's word. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now go out to grow in your understanding of and appreciation for God's ultimate victory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.